to uh, week five of this series we've called Join the Story. And as I welcome you to that, I want to look back at the camera. All you guys that are watching on uh, Facebook, on, our, on the app, uh, through our website, however you're watching us. And hey, especially to those over at the jail campus, those men and women that are joining us. Church, will you bring them in? Welcome them in because you guys are part of our church family and we love you. So, man, I, uh, I love these stories. I love what God's doing. This, this series is, uh, we, we said it's not a, um, a, uh, a, a we, we're not sure if it's just a series or this is like, like the story of our, uh, who, where we're going. It's kind of a reset for us. And we started this on our, celebrating our seventh year a uh, um, few weeks back, and it's been, it's been fun. So week five, we've been, we've been walking through this, and the power of a story has been like the, the theme of this. So the, the story is so powerful. In fact, it's not just, you know, you, you kind of get the idea that, that the whole um, uh, quote there is actually Pixar's uh, foundation for beginning a story. So once upon a time, there was, and every day that took place. And, but then one day, bam, and everything changed. That's the way that they create a story. And, and here's the beauty is that that's, that's God's story. So we, we, he, he's, everything changed in the moment Jesus Christ entered, uh, the, the, entered the story. And that's, that's been the, from the beginning of Genesis all the way up to the point that Jesus is introduced until now. We're understanding that Jesus changed the story. And that, so we've, we've been walking through this. So we talked about the science behind it. Here, here's just the graphic I've showed a couple times that as you speak a story and you hear a story, you're actually, your brain waves connect. You're actually, both brain uh, are operating in the same area and light up the same way. If you give data, information, facts, one person, the, the speaker will light up, but the listener <laughs> shuts down. And, and then see, that's the problem is we've turned the Bible into a bunch of data points, facts, information, and, and when people listen to that, their brain literally begins to shut down. And you see it in our nation today. Churches are closing their doors. And because we've turned the story of God, the word of God, the Bible, into data points. And not allowed us to enjoy and understand that he's inviting us into his story. And so this has been where we're going. And we're going to spend some time here. Last week, we, we dived into the importance of being a listener. And how you can listen. So we looked at the parable uh, in Matthew chapter 13 that you, it's important how you listen. And so we have to prepare ourselves to be good listeners and respond. And then he, um, we, we talked about that and, and how that all, all is important. And the thing is, there's a theme in Matthew. And it, that kind of kicked off this theme that Matthew is really emphasizing. In fact, all the gospel writers emphasize this theme. It is the kingdom of heaven. It is the story. Matthew is telling us a story about the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 3, 4, 5, 10, 6, 7, 10, 11. Those are just before chapter 13. And then in chapter 13, Jesus tells a, a group of stories that all have this common theme. The kingdom of heaven is like. And that's what we're, we're spending some time here is that the kingdom of heaven is like. Now, the problem is, is we have separated the kingdom of heaven. I love Matthew chapter 6. The disciples ask, ask Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus says to them that you need to pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we have made it into two separate kingdoms. And that someday we'll hop 
from this kingdom into the next kingdom. And that the, 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 this, this creation is going to end and the new creation will begin. We, and we made this into this into two things. We either, either die and get, and get there or the rapture is going to happen and we're going to get there. Jesus, in fact, all, in fact, all throughout, throughout Matthew and the way that he teaches, all that the two worlds I to you in the, and that I to you in the, the project to you in the, is that, you in the, that it's old creation, old creation and the new creation, the kingdoms come together. So when Jesus entered the, the story, the old creation began to be overwhelmed by the new creation. And then he tells us that we, that we are in with him to, to bring forth thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. How do we do that? We partner with God. We are his body, his hands, his feet, bringing his creation into this creation. And so when we understand that, we grab hold of that, that this is who we are supposed to be, we understand that we're part of the story. So join the story. And so that's, that's where we're going. We're going to be going into this, this next parable in Matthew chapter 13 is a, is a story. But before I tell you that, that story, let me tell you my story because it connects. Uh, I, I am a recreational farmer. You've heard me say that. I, I, uh, I, am, a, I am not a, I enjoy the idea of being a farmer, uh, I, uh, but I, I'm, I'm not good at it and I don't have a big farm. I have a very small area. We do pigs. Uh, my, my oldest son has done uh, 4-H uh, hog, market hogs uh, the last couple years, and so we, we've, we've enjoyed that. Uh, this next year, we're up in the game. We're going into rabbits. Uh, so, uh, we're doing rabbits, uh, we may be doing hor <laughs> horses, that's even hard to get out. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I should, should, should say, what I should say is we're getting into checkbook writing, uh, credit card swiping, cash giving, uh, no. <laughs> my dad loves horses and he has a horse, so my daughter will spend a lot of time with grandpa, um, because I, I don't, I don't like horses, uh, they, I like animals I can eat, uh, uh <laughs> And so he, uh, so we're, we're getting into this, and uh, my, uh, my wife's grandmother has also invited me into gardening. What that means is I work, she takes all the glory, takes all the glory into, uh, and, uh, so, uh, so, uh, and then I blame when things go wrong, things go wrong. But I went, I, this is the third year under this with her, and I, I'm learning, I, I'm learning, and so she, she gets all the glory in the family, but she doesn't know on Sundays, I get the mic, and I took pictures. So let me share with you some pictures of my story of the garden. And I, I got to say, I'm pretty proud of this. Okay, you started off in, in late April, and I had it all set up. We did, we did some raised garden beds. Those work amazing. So next year, all of that's going to be raised garden beds. Uh, I, I mean, I, 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 got, I got it all laid out. I had it all planned. And then here, here's the next picture. There, there we are. This is, you can start seeing some plants. And clearly, Mimi was not happy with the amount of uh, tilling I did, so I had to add some. Uh, so we put in more plants, and so th there's the, some more tilling. And then here's another. I got a helper. There's my girl. She's a hard worker. I, she, she's in there. She was pulling weeds that day. And then she was my Vanna White. She's showing off my garden. Uh, now, I, I got to point out that next, last week I talked about how the rocks begin to come to the surface. All this pile of rocks right here, we're all in that garden. Isn't that cool? And, and as we've been tilling and going through it and, and weeding, those are the rocks that we took out. And because you got to get that, you got to have healthy soil. To be a good listener. Mm, somebody preach with me. I should have brought that last week. Uh, so there's that. And then this picture isn't as good because it's late at night, but because I was working hard and you can start to see, oh my, those potatoes. Oh, 
I, I, we, we had a harvest. It was glorious. It's, it's now, the garden is almost completely gone. Uh, there's a few pieces hanging on, but the tomatoes were wonderful. She's got canned, and all, I, that's all the stuff I got to learn later. Like the, <laughs> the post-harvest stuff, I, I don't know yet. But she has it all ready. We're going to be in winter. We're going to have tomato juice, which I hate, uh, but she loves, uh, uh, she, she loves beets. Those are disgusting. Um, but anyways, I'm going off track. But uh, I, 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 I love the cucumbers. Jeez. Oh, right, so I, I, this was all fun. So here's, here's the story behind this story is, so I had her garden looking beautiful, gorgeous. Well, I, when you buy a flat and then you don't have enough room for, I had a cute few extra pieces. And so I brought them to my house and tilled up a little area, about 15 by 15, and just planted the stuff. And uh, so I had it ready and put a little fence around it so the deer and stuff couldn't get to it. Well, to be honest, I kind of forgot about it <sighs> behind a fence. And so about two weeks after I had planted it, and I go back, and it's like, where's the stuff I planted? Because it's all green, green everywhere. I mean, it's like, and I'm looking at it going, oh, crud. Like, I, I, I'm not to the level that I can look at a leaf and know that it's the difference between a tomato plant and a weed. I'm just not there. And so I'm like, oh, man. So honestly, I, I, I was like, I got a couple options. So here's the one option. Take those weeds out. Now, if I'd have done that, what would have happened? Uh, I'd have, I'd have killed, I'd, I thought, well, I think it's the tomato plants right around there and the peppers are here. I'd end up, what, killing the stuff that I planted, trying to get rid of the stuff that I wanted to get rid of. So the crazy part is, I chose not to do this. Okay, I just want to make a statement for all you guys who are judging me right now on my Black & Decker. I have a gas powered white weed eater, okay? <laughs> I am a man, Okay. I just didn't think it would be appropriate to bring it, okay? It's fumes and all that stuff, okay? Just stop judging right now, okay? <laughs> but I, I uh, so I had to, I chose not to do that. I chose instead to just let it go. I was like, you know what? At some point, we'll let the pigs in there, and they'll, they'll just destroy it and uproot everything, and if there's anything they want to get, they can get. I get back from Turkey. I haven't looked at the garden. It's been probably a month. I walk back there. And all of a sudden, I look down as I'm walking past it, and I'm like, that's a watermelon. <laughs> and then I started to look closer, and there's peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers and strawberries all in my little patch. Everything grew. So you know what I learned? Weeding is ridiculous. <laughs> it's a waste of time. <laughs> That's not what I like. But so I, I, I was like, so what happened though is I am still, like yesterday, I went back there and I found a beautiful, beautiful red tomato. Gorgeous. I'm like, this is awesome. Some, the watermelons are going to be amazing. All this is happening because I just let it grow and now I can easily distinguish what is weeds, what is not. Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is telling another story. I love how he starts this. He says, uh, here, here's another, Jesus, another story Jesus told. So last week we learned it's important how you listen to the story. So are you guys ready to listen? You guys got your, got your hearing right? You got the soil correct? Here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. So we're identifying some people here. There's a farmer. He has sowed good seed in his prepared field. Keep going. 
But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. So this farmer has some jerks as neighbors. Okay? So the, the jerk neighbor comes along, throws some weed seed in with the, others good, with the good seed, and says, okay, then it says, when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. So that everything's going together. Keep going. The farmers, the farmers' workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? Like, don't you know how to farm at all? And he says, they came, an enemy has done this, the farmer ex exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. So there's the question. What, what should we do? Should we get, they didn't have Black and Decker, okay? Uh, they didn't have, they, so they, they, what, should we pull out the weeds? And he says, no. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. So now we have identified what the good seed was. It's the first time we find out that the good seed is wheat. Seeds wheat, wheat, and if it, uh, wheat. So let, let wheat. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them in the bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. So you're going to separate them. There's going to be a moment where they'll be separated and judged. And this is where, this is, when we talk about reading the Bible and getting to the Word of God, there's a couple things that are really important that you need to understand. So those of you that are part of Authentic Church, been here a while, what's the first most important thing? Say it loud. Okay, what's the second most important thing? Third most important thing? Yes, context, context, context. In this story, there's, there's a lot that we could dive into uh, in, in the context. Uh, but there's a couple things I want to make sure that you understand. One is we need to know culturally what's happening. So how did they farm? And two, the language that's used here. Because you are not familiar with how the, the Hebrews at this time period farmed. You know, maybe you are, I, you, but most people aren't. The other thing we're not familiar with is what the Greek language that's being used here means. Because when Jesus' hearers heard what Jesus was saying, they understood what he was talking about. This wasn't a mystery to them. They got the context of the agricultural part of it, and they got the context of the language. So let me help you grab hold of it. So first thing is, when you get to this word, weeds, we understand the good seed was wheat. The bad seed was, were, were weeds. So what in the world were the, the weeds? Now, we, some of you in your notes say weeds. Some of you say, well, say um, tares, depending on what translation you're using, uh, the, the, the the Hebrew, or the, sorry, the Greek word that's being used here is this word. Can anybody say that for me? No? 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 Okay. <laughs> it's zenzaya. Zenzaya. It's, it's, a, it's a, Greek word, or a Greek word, and literally translated is the word darnel. Now, does anybody know what darnel is? Nobody? Okay, I'll tell you what it is. See, I'm really, really smart. Okay, actually, I just read an article about what darnel is. Uh, darnel is a mimic weed, and guess what it mimics? wheat. So as it grows, it looks like wheat. So if you look at this picture here, this is wheat that's been sown. Darnell looks exactly like this when it begins to grow. In fact, uh, you can see here, this is a wheat growing chart uh, that you can see that all the way through the growth per period, all the way until this point right here, wheat and Darnell look identical. And at the moment that they begin to show forth the, the, what they're going to produce, which Darnell actually produces the same-looking seed. I'll show you a picture. 
Uh, this is Weed on the right, Darnell on the left. They even, after being at this point of producing a, a seed, are looking pretty close to the same from a distance. It's when you get up close. But once you get to harvest season, one is brown, golden brown, and the other one turns black. So he says, I'm going to tell the harvesters when it's time to get to the point of harvesting them, you'll take the darnel, you'll grab them and cut them off. And you'll take them over and you'll burn them. And then you're going to take the wheat and you're going to harvest it and you're going to put that in the barn because it's produced something. So now you've got some understanding of the context, both in the context of what uh, agriculturally and language. So now you get it, right? Makes total sense. But what does it mean as far as like me and the kingdom of heaven? I don't, I'm still a little bit lost. So are the disciples, so you're in good company. Because <laughs> you get through a couple uh, other parables that Jesus tells. We're going to get to those next week. And you get to uh, chapter 30, uh, verse 36 and chapter 13. And this is, it picks up here. It says, then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. Now, I would love to spend some time here because the house that they're at is in Capernaum. And this would help you. But I don't have time to dig into this. So that's why we're doing a, a connect group on Thursdays at, uh, at 7 o'clock right here. We're going to meet uh, uh, and go into the, I wish I had more time to tell you. Because this is a good part. It's in Capernaum and this matters because it's context. But I don't have enough time to tell you. Unless you guys want to spend three hours. Anybody? We can vote on this. You're the second service. First service couldn't vote. You guys want to stick for three hours? Nobody? Okay. Uh, me either. Um, <laughs> so his disciples said, please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. So hey, give us some understanding. And this is exactly what Jesus was wanting. He's wanting them to tell stories. And then when the disciples come to him, they have identified themselves as wanting to learn. This Jesus is telling stories because great stories make us ask great questions. So here we are. They come to say, they say, Jesus, can you break that down for us? We, we don't really understand this. And Jesus says, Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. So in your notes there, I have them, each one of them labeled. So each one of these is broken down for us. So Jesus has given us exactly what he's talking about. Step by step, he identifies the characters in the story. And he says, the first one is the son of man is the farmer. Now, Right there, I wish I had time because I could dig deeper into this, the son of man. The son of man is Jesus' favorite term for himself. It comes from Daniel. He's describing himself. I wish I had more time. But maybe on Thursday when we have more time, we can dive into that. So the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. This field is the world. So the, wor the grand world, everything in the world. Not the church. This is important that you understand that context is important. The, 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 uh, the field is the world. Keep going. And the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. So the people who are following after Jesus, the son of man, are the ones who are identified as the people of the kingdom. Then the, the weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. Whoa. People that came the evil one. And says, he says to them, this is the ones who belong to the, the, uh, to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. Now, this is where church people like, we either go like super crazy, or like going to blame everything on the devil. The devil hates me. I ran out of gas because the devil's against me. No, you ran out of gas because you didn't fill up your gas tank. Okay, don't blame the devil for your ignorance. Uh, 
I said ignorance, not stupidity. Probably stupidity is better. Anyways, or we go to the other side and be like, I don't know, let's not talk about the devil. <laughs> you know, we get scared, and we don't want to talk about it. So let's, let's just go with Jesus. Jesus goes, yep, the devil's real. The devil's against my kingdom. The devil wants to do anything to do what he can to destroy my kingdom. So there is a kingdom, there's a man who's trying to destroy the kingdom of God. There's an evil spirit, and he's the devil. Okay? Uh, the harvest is the end of the world. There's going to come a time when the world will end. And at that point, when the world ends, that'll be the harvest season. We're in Ohio, we're in the harvest season. We're getting our corn and our watermelons and our stuff. We're starting to see that come. We're starting to get the sweet corn, stopping at the roadside stand, getting some sweet corn. Jesus, hallelujah. Talking before lunch. I better hurry up. Um, so he says, the harvest season, there's going to become a point where everything is going to have to be taken out and harvested. Then here's a key here. And the harvesters are the angels. Now, if you don't write any of the rest down, write that one down for me. Or highlight it or circle it. The harvesters are the angels. Then he continues on. And he says, just as the weeds are sorted out, so he's done describing all the characters in the story. Now he's going to talk about it. It says, just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What? See, this is where most of us get stuck. We forget all the beginning part of all the story. We forget about the rest of the story. We get into this, I don't want that. So how do I avoid that? Will you please draw me the line that I need to be on the other side of to avoid that? Because I don't want to go there. So can you just give me one, two, three of how to avoid that? And Jesus' point isn't that. Now, there is a judgment day. Jesus is making it very clear. There's going to be a moment that everything will be judged. And in that day, there's going to be a place that people do not want to go to. And then he continues on. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. The point of the ones that are harvested, the people of the kingdom, are to be what? Light for God's kingdom. That's their point. That's, that's the reason why they exist. He planted them so that they could show his glory. And then he adds this. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. This is Jesus' way of saying, sit on this for a while. Think about it. You got ears to hear. Anybody got ears? Then you need to pay attention. Because you need to sit here. There's some things that you need to work out. So we talked about this. When Jesus tells a story, or when there's a story in the word of God... There's a couple things that you need, to, you need to think about. There's three questions. Number one, what are you being confronted with? What is the story confronting in your life? Number two, what are you being invited into? So if you're being confronted by something, you're being invited into something. And thirdly, how do I, how do I live this out? So how do I make this applicable? How do, I, how do I do this in my life? So I'm being confronted. Something in my life needs confronted. So I'm being invited into something greater. And then how do I live this out? So in reference to this scripture and this story that Jesus is telling, what, how do we live this out? Number one, you're being confronted and you need to understand this. 
that judging the weeds is not your responsibility. The weeds and the, and the wheat are separated not by the other wheat, which are the people in the kingdom of God, but by the angels of God. You don't play a role in who gets into heaven or who goes to hell. You do not have the responsibility or even the right to say who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. It is not up to you. Now, this is where, <laughs> we'll be careful. 98% of the churches in Tuscaloosa County are amazing. Good-hearted people who love Jesus and want people to know him. There's about 2% who are jerks. Now, I say that because this past week, I was told by another church leader that we're nothing but a feel-good church. And my question was, why would I want to be a feel-bad church? Well, you're all about welcoming people in and getting everybody... Yeah, because I'm not the one that sends them to hell. I'm not the one judging them. See, we have to understand that our responsibility is not to say who's in or who's out. The problem is, even Paul dealt with this. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, It isn't my responsibility to judge the outsiders. See, here's the problem. We want to look at the world and say, hey, you guys aren't living up to the standards of the church. You guys are getting divorced. You're allowing abortion. You're, you're, you're doing all, the, all, these, all these stuff that's out there. You're allowing all that. You guys are, you guys are terrible. You're not living up to the things of the church. <laughs> the problem is, they never signed up to live up to the morals of the church. See, I, I, I do not live up to the morals or the standards of a Marine, a Navy SEAL. I don't. You want to know why? Because I didn't sign up for it. Thank God. <laughs> but nobody's coming up to me and going, well, you don't look like a, a Navy SEAL at all. No, because they're not expecting me to. Because I didn't sign up for it. But see, we, we have to understand that we are not responsible for judging outsiders, but certainly responsible for judging what's in the church. So, now, as soon as you go, I'm a follower of Jesus. Guess what you just did? I get to judge your fruit. As soon as you said, I'm on, I'm on team Jesus, then that at that moment, you have welcome judgment of your fruit. Some, some of you might want to, like, renege your, not you, other people. Not at this church, other churches. We have, well, he says, uh, you, gotta, you have the responsibility to judge the inside of the church who are sinning. God will judge those outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. So Paul's very clear. Those that are outside are not part of your judging system. So stop judging and start loving. Stop judging them and telling them they're going to hell. Stop sitting there telling them, you're, you're, you're not good enough. You're, no, start loving them. Your disapproval is destroying any chance of a relationship that would love them into the church. See, here's the beauty. See, see we, we, we have these two, two seeds that are sown. And the, the gorgeous thing about the, the, the thing that Jesus did on the cross is that the moment you accept his sacrifice, you've now gone from being weeds to wheat by his miraculous power, not by yours. Paul even says that you can't judge, you, you can't get in by your works. 
Judgment is, is a terrible evangelism strategy. This is why like, I, get, I, get, I get annoyed by, by the, those, uh, let me put them out there. Those, I don't even know what they're, those Jonesboro Baptists or whatever. They get out there and they get the signs out and they say, uh, God's going to condemn us because of gay soldiers. I don't know whatever their stupid signs say. That, who, who's going, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the team I want to be on. Yeah, they, they sound like a good bunch of people. I can't wait to be told how wrong I am. No, but I, I do know that judgment is not a good evangelism strategy. But loving sure is. No one's ever changed because they're getting judged. They, get, they change because of being loved. And so you have no responsibility to judge the weeds. Judgment isn't that. However, you're being invited into something because loving the weeds is your responsibility. Loving is responsibility. See, we don't get to look at the person beside us and go, ah, I think they're going to be Darnell when they grow up. <laughs> I don't, oh man. Darnell. Darnell, Darnell. <laughs> Got to fast forward that. All right. Those of you who know me too well know the, like, the filtering process I'm going through right now. Keep going. So they, they, you, you, don't have, you don't have that right. But you do have the right and responsibility to love the person who may be Darnell someday. So we, we love these scriptures when we talk about in the church. We love like, the, like, like this, 1 Peter 4, 7 and 8. The end of all things is near. Do you believe it? Do you really believe it? Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So if we are in the world that God has called us into and we're growing up beside Darnell, then we need to love those around us because our love covers a multitude of sin. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whether we may have each other and forgive as God has, God has forgave you. I, I, Proverbs 14.20, he who walks with the wise grows wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. So here, here's one I'll stop real quick. You, you cannot go and say, oh, well, i got to love Darnell. Someone goes to the bar and sit by Darnell and see if I can compete on how many beers we, we chug. Because when you compete, you, that, okay. Alcohol is not wrong. Drugginess is. Okay? When you act a fool, it's wrong. So... So you can't, you can't go and say, oh, because uh, I, I, I'm supposed to be in the world, I, I, need to, I need to act the way the world acts. No. Your produce is going to be different than the world's produce. So what you're producing should be different. And when you're producing, you should look different. However, you've got to be producing to be looking different. Ugh. Ooh. Oh, man. I didn't say that in the first service, but that's good. See, so you gotta be, you gotta look, you gotta be producing something in your life if you're gonna be uh, looking different. So if you're going to and out and you're not looking any different, then it's probably because you're not producing. Anyways, wow, that was good. Um, you're welcome. That was bonus. Um, so, the uh, so we, what was I talking about? Where, where am I in my notes? You, oh, it's not being silly and doing what they're doing. No, be the wise so that they can be wise. We're always looking, I need somebody to mentor me. 
Yes, good. Find somebody to mentor you. But be a mentor. Be the wise that somebody else can mimic and look like and talk like and learn to be wise as you grow wise. See, we, we are responsible for loving the world. That's responsibility. The thing that you need to understand. The world has been confronted confronted by your, you don't have the responsibility to judge you've been invited into loving the weeds and then how do you live it out you take responsibility you take responsibility the kingdom of god will flourish even when the circumstances are against it see the the, the field that 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 the farmer sows into has the weeds in it it doesn't say that the wheat, this wheat stops growing. No, the wheat keeps growing. See, it doesn't... Stop using your circumstances as an excuse of why you're not producing. Stop going, I got so many hard people around me. You don't know what it's like at my house. They, they, don't, love you, they don't love Jesus the way I do, so I, I just can't do it that way because... No, no, you produce even though you're surrounded by hard-heartedness. Even though the, the circumstances around you are, are competing pressures of the world and the enemy is trying to distract you, you still produce. How? How do you do it? How, how do you grow when you are constantly surrounded by evil? You nurture the right relationships. Did it connect Sunday today? I, I, I never guessed. It's quite a coincidence. No, you nurture the right relationships. See, it's much harder to harvest in a field that's full of darnell. It takes a lot more time, but Jesus said it's worth it. Jesus said it's, it's worth it, but you have to grow in that, but how do you grow in it? By making sure you have the right people around you. Ephesians 2.19, you are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household and with every other Christian. Acts 2, 2 4, uh, 44, and the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. Ecclesiastes 4, 8, and 9, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Wealth, two, are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So, so how do you take responsibility? You take ownership. How do you take ownership? Take ownership of this church. See, there, there's great churches in our community. This isn't the only one that you can be a part of. But if you believe in the mission of this church, take ownership of it. Take ownership of it. I want to invite you in to take ownership of Authentic Church, not just a logo and not just a good story, a, a saying, join the story. I'm talking about be a part of this church. Now, there are times where you're going to come into a church and you need time to heal. And you need to get there and believe, by all means, some of you are here ready to take, to take ownership. Don't yet. But there's going to come a time in your relationship with God and in your relationship with this church that you need to take ownership. How do you take ownership? The ownership, there's, there's really big difference between participation and ownership is that when you walk in these doors and you walk past a piece of trash, you look at that trash, a participant was going to go, oh, somebody needs to pick up that trash. The owner's going to go, 
I need to pick up that trash. And then they do it. it you, you buy in. We, we have a process called Growth Track, and we're going to be kicking this off next Sunday. Um, we're going to welcome you in, and we've, we've worked this 10 different ways of being in the Growth Track. And so we're going to, Growth Track is going to be three steps, three Sundays. That's all you got to do. So we're going to be doing it on, on Sunday evening. We're going to invite you in. Say, hey, you want to take on Sunday evening? Here's how we do it. Here's how you can take ownership. That, that, that easy. So we need to take ownership. Another thing you need to take, uh, take ownership of is those around you. Whether they're weeds or whether they're wheat, take ownership of the people around you. How do you do that? Get in a connect group and invite your friends. Your friends. You do that, invite your friends. Now, the, 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 the connect groups aren't, groups aren't just because you come on Sunday, then you get in a connect group. No, you, anybody can be in a connect group. Get in a connect group. Get people around you who are going to support you, encourage you, hold you accountable. Get it around you. And the third thing is take, take ownership of the team. So get on a team and get invested. This morning, uh, on the bottom of your thing, you can put, put join, or tell, I want, tell, tell, tell your story or whatever it says. This came in this morning. I don't remember the exact day I first came to Authentic Church. I do remember vividly how it felt leading up to visiting, walking through those doors, and how I felt leaving. It was March 2018, and literally nothing in my life was going as planned. Suddenly, I find my life normal change. My head was in a cloud, not quite sure what I needed to do. But I knew with certainty that I was never looking back. I couldn't. It wasn't healthy, and it certainly wasn't safe. I had no, had no rant, had no rant, normal, but I, I did know great things never come easy. The only thing I had to go off was a piece of advice given to me by a dear soul days before he died. He told me, when you feel like you have nothing, you've always got God. So with absolutely no plan, no clue what the future holds, I went to church. I chose authentic church. After seeing some friends of mine continuously post on Facebook the great things they were doing, keep posting. It seemed like an okay place to start. I enlisted a friend to come with me so I wasn't alone, but soon realized that here I never really would be. When I came through those doors, being greeted with the warmest welcomes, I already felt a slight relief, and then Debbie came up and gave me the warmest hug. I'm sure she didn't know. I didn't know but I needed that. I found a seat in the back corner and my son and I sat down. Pastor Josh's message that day was about how it feels like every single thing in your life is you do goes wrong all the time. I remember thinking how ironic that literally my whole world crumbled not once but twice in the span of five years. I come to church and this is what he chooses to preach about. I felt this, was, I felt this so hard though and I cried. After the service, I left immediately and cried some more. Then for a whole week, when I thought about it, I cried. When the next Sunday came around, naturally, I knew there was no way I was going back. I couldn't spend another whole week crying. I had a life to fix, so I didn't come back. For two weeks, my stubborn self refused to go back. I was broken, and I needed to look strong, and there I, there I felt vulnerable, and honestly, I, I didn't like that. By week three... Reasoning kicked in, and I convinced myself that if going to church affected me that much, maybe that's exactly where I needed to be. I'm sure Jesus was up there 
praising himself that it finally clicked. So the fourth Sunday of March, I came back and I cried. Matter of fact, every Sunday for months, I sat in the back with my son with me and I cried. I've always been a follower of Jesus, always went to church when I was younger, but this was different. Can't quite put into words how it felt. But to go there, totally vulnerable, broken, no control whatsoever, to find Jesus in that state was an unparalleled feeling. I was, I was finally healing in the place I needed it the most, in my heart. I finally got to the place where I didn't have to dart out in fear of running, of running mascara, just in time for summer connect groups. And honestly, I was just browsing with no real intent to sign up when I was basically told, these are my friends, you should join this one. Actually, those were the exact words, and I'm so glad I did. The more I went, the closer I felt, and it was so nice to have a group of women that were there for each other. The good luck text and the prayers sent to me on the days they knew were going to be exceptionally hard days helped take so much of the stress away. After I started investing into this church, my life started to shift. I no longer had to worry about how I was going to live. Literally, all the good things were just falling into my lap. I took an incredibly blind leap, and I have no doubt that Jesus caught me. Now I have peace in my heart that I never thought I'd have. I watched my son play and explain to his grandpa about Jesus and God and how they want him to do good things all the time. He tells his friends, his teachers, everyone about his church and how he can't wait until church day. I wasn't here for this church when, I was, when it was being built, but this church has been here for me from basically day one of my rebuilding. I have this peace in my heart that I honestly didn't think I would ever have again. And I'm beyond grateful that I feel the way that I do. It's all because of the smile I received as I walked through that door. See, it's testimonies like this. I say, man, let's retire tomorrow. We won. Got a victory. Problem is, there's another young lady that needs the same experience. And another young man that needs a place to connect. And another family that needs a place of healing. And it's our responsibility to love them without judging them. Lord Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for the story that you lived out by going to the cross and, and dying. Lord, that you were buried and resurrected. Lord, that your Holy Spirit is available to us today to empower us and equip us that our light and our responsibility is to shine your glory shine like the sun. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We give you our stories. 